often, but gosh, it's been like twice in, in like a month, so this is kind of nice. Um, we are going to attempt tonight uh, to answer a question that um, people all over the world have struggled and, and wrestled with. Um, we, uh, we are going to look at a question that has caused great debate among academics as well as like everyday people like ourselves. Uh, it's one of those questions that one day when you stand before God and you just hope that God will clear it all up and finally answer it. And what is the question? The question is, is this dress black and blue or white and gold? Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm really curious if you guys are, if people are seeing this differently tonight. So if this is gold and white to you, raise your hand. Look around. If this is blue and black to you, raise your hand. Wow, this is crazy. Okay, it's, it's white and gold to me, but you guys, you blue, the black and blue people have us outnumbered. See, this is a, this is a legit crazy thing. I, you know what? We're not going to answer this question tonight. I was hoping we'd all have the same view and it would be like, okay, it's just, it's all fake, but... <laughs> Actually... Okay, we better take that down because we're just going to lose everybody. <laughs> um, really, the real question we're looking at tonight is, how can we be great tellers of our stories? And we have been inspired these past weeks. Uh, if you've been here and coming and part of this, part of this series we've been in, um, to, to tell our story, um, we, a lot of us uh, did this 360 thing where it's like you... you you let God put on your heart three people that you will pray for six days a week and miss zero opportunities. And a lot of those names were written and they're hanging over there, which is really, really cool. So we have this, we have this passion. We, we want to help people. We want people to know who Jesus is. And, um, but how do we do that? How do we become great storytellers? So I am really excited tonight um, to look into this, this story of Jesus and the woman at the well. Because I think we can learn so much and be inspired so much from this story. So let's jump right in. Uh, we start in John 4. If you want to read along in your own Bible, that's cool. It's John 4. We're going to start with verse 5, or you can just follow along here. In Samaria, Jesus came to the town called Sychar, which is near the field Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus was tired from his long trip, so he sat down beside the well. It was about 12 o'clock noon. When a Samaritan woman came to the well to get some water, Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. Now this happened while Jesus' followers were in town buying some food. So we see here that, uh, of course you can see from the text, that Jesus is tired. He's exhausted. He's had a long trip. And so many of you, you know what I'm talking about. When you've been on a long trip, if you've had a long day, and you're really tired, um, I know that we would probably, if we're all honest, we would confess that we've, after the end, towards the end of the day, and you have to stop at the store, and you're, and you're getting your stuff, you know, and you got three or four things, and, <clears throat> and you're coming down the aisle, and then there, at, coming towards you is somebody that you know, and you don't feel like talking, and so suddenly there's something over here that you have to get, <laughs> right? I mean, right? Unless you're super extrovert, you know, you, you, if you're an introvert, you know, like many of us, uh, you know, you've had those moments where you just don't feel like starting a conversation because you're just exhausted. Jesus was tired. 
But what does he do here? He starts a conversation with this woman. He does it actually by, by becoming vulnerable. He asks her for help. He asked her for a drink of water. So Jesus starts this conversation with the woman. This is, this is the first thing. This is like, and I know it seems really simple, but this is a very powerful thing that we can do. We can care so much about the people around us that we're willing to start a conversation, that we're intentional about just connecting with people. So that's the first thing we learn from Jesus here. Then the story goes on. The woman said, I am surprised that you ask me for a drink since you are a Jewish man and I am a Samaritan woman. <clears throat> Jewish people are not friends with Samaritans. Now, Samaritans were, you know, were half-breeds. They were like half-Jews and half-something else. And Jews, you know, full, full Jews did not really associate with Samaritans. They looked down on Samaritans. They wouldn't even talk with another Samaritan. They would totally ignore them. Uh, there was a lot of racial issues going on in Jesus' day, just like there are today with Ferguson and all that stuff. And right here in our community, where we're separated by, by a river, to, you know, communities separated by a lot of things. And yet, shouldn't we, as followers of Jesus, be the ones to break down and erase racial barriers? And shouldn't we, as followers of Jesus, be the first to break down and, and reach out to people who are different than we are. And it's, it's not just racial issues. It's, you know, when you're, when you're a kid and you have your little clique of friends and then you, you go into middle school and it gets even worse and it's just like you've got these little groups of people and no one else can come in and you go to the lunch table and you sit with just your group of friends and you ignore other people because they're not with your group. And then we grow up, and a lot of times we become adults, and, and we don't even change out of that. We, we continue to isolate ourselves from people who are different or from people we don't know or people who just uh, don't fit in with the people that we tend to hang out with. So we did this 360 thing a couple weeks ago, and our student ministry staff was, was sitting around talking about it afterwards, and we, you know, I just kind of threw it out. So who are the people that you wrote down, you know, for your 360? And honestly, the people who do full-time ministry here at the church, as we discussed it, it's like, this is a challenge. We're around Christian people all the time. You know, kind of our, our job is sort of just to, you know, to connect with a lot of Christian people. And it was a challenge for the people on our team to actually come up with people to write down on that 360 card that they were connected with who are not Christians. So this can be a real challenge for us. We need, we need to get out of our Christian bubble, and we need to get out of this bubble that's just where we're so comfortable, and we need to be willing when God gives us an open door and when God calls us to reach out. That's what Jesus did here. Jesus shows us the importance of reaching out beyond the people that we typically would feel comfortable with. So let's go on here. Verse 10, Jesus said, If you only knew the free gift of God and who it is that is asking you for water, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said, Sir, where will you get this living water? The well is very deep and you have nothing to get water with. Are you greater than Jacob, our father, who gave us this well and drank from it himself along with his sons and flocks? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. 
But whoever drinks the water I give will never be thirsty. The water I give will become a spring of water gushing up inside that person, giving eternal life. So Jesus makes some observations. He notices some things about this woman. She's carrying this heavy jar, and it's not even filled with water yet. She looks tired. She looks weary. She looks sad. She looks lifeless and beat up by the circumstances of her life. She has come here for water because she's thirsty. So Jesus says, well, let's start there. I'll connect with this woman on the issue of water, of thirst. Now, right about this time when I was sharing this message over in the sanctuary, um, I, I had just, I, this was last week, and I had just come home from retreat, and I was sick, and my throat hurt, and I was like, I, this is not just an object lesson. I'm like thirsty right now. Does anybody have? I, cannot, I can't talk anymore if I don't have some water. And I'm telling you, in like five seconds, Kim Carnes jumps up out of her seat from the front row and hands me a bottle of water. And it was actually like cold. And I'm like, wow, a woman's purse is a scary, awesome thing. You know? <laughs> There's actually a refrigeration compartment inside her purse. But she was so ready, I mean, ready to give me water when I needed it. And that's like Jesus here is just like, he's saying, hey, I have what you need. I, have, I know you're thirsty, and I have what you need. And she didn't want to admit. In fact, she starts dra- dropping names. She drops, you know, the name Jacob, our father. She's going back, you know, basically she's saying, my great, 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 um, you know, father Jacob, he's the guy that, you know, made this well, so... You know, I, I, think, I think we're doing okay here. People who are lost and hurting oftentimes don't want to admit that they're thirsty or admit that they're hurting, and they want to make it look like everything's fine. And I think that's what she was doing here for Jesus, but Jesus didn't buy it. Jesus, you know, basically is saying, hey, just because you have this family heritage, just because your parents were Christians, just because you come to a church, Just because you surround yourself with religious stuff, it doesn't mean everything's okay. Jesus knows when he looks at us, and he knows when we're still thirsty. And Jesus looked at this woman, and he knew. So what are people thirsty for around you? The people that you come in contact with every day. Do we notice? Do we notice the needs around us? Do we notice how people are thirsty And not just physically, but Jesus is recognizing that her spirit is thirsty, that she has a lot of needs. As followers of Jesus, and if we're going to be able to tell our story and help people come to know Jesus, we've got to, we need to care and we need to connect with people. We need to know what's going on. We need to be listening. We need to really listen to people. We need to discern what their needs are. And that's what Jesus does here. He's recognizing the needs that this woman has. And we, we need to do the same. So going on with the story, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will never be thirsty again and I will not have to come back here to get more water. Jesus told her, Well, go get your husband and you know, come back here and, and we'll talk about it. The woman answered, um, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You're right. You, you say you have no husband. Really, you've had five husbands, and the man you live with now is not your husband. 
So I guess you told the truth. See, Jesus has this amazing superpower that, you know, he can like read minds. But um, he not only read her mind, he looked deep into her soul and her history. And Jesus just knew. Jesus knew details about her life. But he, he chose his words. Certainly he chose his words. He was specific. He, he brought up an issue that was really the thirst of her soul. Jesus was able to look inside her soul. Now, we don't have this superpower ourselves, so in order to know another person's sin, we have to depend on things like gossip and Facebook stalking and things like that. <clears throat> but actually, you know, the world has enough judgmental Christians. In fact, um, if you're not a judgmental person, someone who's not a Christian looks at you and they find out you're a Christian, oftentimes they'll think you judge them just because you are a Christian. So we have to be really careful here. Like, you could say, well, Jesus pointed out her sin, so we should go around pointing out everybody's sin. Well, there may come a time in our relationship with a person where we want to help them see the result of sin, the consequences of sin, and, how, and the pain and, you know, the difficulty in life that it can bring. We want to help people. We want to come alongside of them and help them see if their life is going in a destructive pattern. But we need to be really careful here, too, to, to trust the Holy Spirit to convict people and to not be judging people. But Jesus does point out the problems for her here, and we need to be ready, too. We need to know people well enough that we can help them and come alongside of them. And when they're going through something and their, their life goes off the deep end and they're really hurting because of sin in their life or because of bad choices, we need to be there to come alongside them and, and help them work through all that. Well, let's pick up the story down in verse 25. The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming. Messiah is the one called Christ. When Messiah comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus said, these powerful words, I am he, the one talking to you. Jesus just gets right down to it. I mean, the, all Hebrews for so, the Hebrew people for so long have been waiting and watching and wanting this Messiah to come. And this woman, she must have been wondering about Jesus because she brings this up out of nowhere. The Messiah will make clear everything up, almost like she's like hinting, is, is it you? And Jesus clearly says, it's me. This is, basically it's going to come down to this at some point. If we're going to tell our stories to people, if we're going to help them know Jesus, we have to introduce them to Jesus we got to talk about Jesus. We need, we need to know how to talk about Jesus. We need to be able to tell people what Jesus has done. And one verse that I love um, to, to use when I'm just helping somebody explain what Jesus has done for us is Romans 6, 23. So maybe we could work on memorizing that tonight. Um, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Awesome. Let's say it all together. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Awesome. Okay, so basically this verse is a great one to memorize because it kind of lays out you know, what Jesus did for us. On the one hand, you've got the wages of sin. Now, a wage is something we earn. 
right? We all earn, we all, what you work for, because of your sin, what you earn is death, eternal separation from God. Okay, so this is, this is the bad news, that this is what sin causes. However, the gift of God, just the opposite of what earn, you know, a wage is what you earn, a gift is totally given. The gift of God is eternal life, just the opposite of death. So we get this wonderful gift from God that we can have eternal life with him. But how does it happen? It's through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's because Jesus paid the price for our sin. It's because he went to the cross for us. And so we need to just, as we're telling our story, we need to be able to tell the Jesus story as well. We need to be able to to tell people what Jesus did for us and how important it is that he went to the cross for us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, let's, let's continue on with this story. Uh, verse 27, Just then his followers came back from town and were surprised to see him talking with a woman. But none of them asked, What do you want or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to town. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Do you think he might be the Christ? So the people left town and went to see Jesus. Okay, so let's just really imagine this scene. All the disciples had gone to town. They went to buy food. And um, they come back, and they expect to see Jesus kind of relaxing. They're like, hey, you know, they, when they left, they're probably like, Jesus is really tired. You know, he's been preaching and healing people and doing all this work. You know, just, you just relax, Jesus. We'll go, we'll go get some, we'll go run errands in town. They come back. He's talking with this Samaritan woman. And then uh, we, there's something we need to notice, too, about what's happened here. The disciples were in town running errands. They were around a lot of people in town, certainly. Who did they tell about Jesus? Who did they share their faith with? Who did they help in any way? You know, they were in town, but they were so busy running their, their errands, taking care of business, doing life, just like we often do, they got so busy and caught up in that that, you know, there's, there's no sign here that we notice that says anything about them doing any kind of ministry when they were in town. Jesus, on the, other ta- on the other hand, didn't go into town, yet he talks with this one woman, and what happens? She ends up talking to the whole town. <laughs> the whole town is reached because Jesus talked to one person. And I think what, what I take from this is just, you know, Jesus teaches us here that one person is super important. Of course, you know, we need to be aware as we go about our business of our day that at any moment, God could bring one person into our life that we can share with. Jesus took advantage of that moment. He shared with one person, and that one person impacted an entire town. Sometimes I think we feel like, you know, well, I don't want to be some like crazy fanatical, go on the street corner and, you know, wave my Bible and tell everybody about Jesus. I'm I'm glad because I I wouldn't want you to be that way. (laughs) But, you know, just if we just take advantage of the moments that God gives us, the people that he brings into our life, just one person and the ripples of that person's life being changed could just totally just change a whole town. 
So reaching one person is what we learn from Jesus here. Let's continue on with the story. Verse 31, meanwhile, his followers were begging him, teacher, eat something. But Jesus answered, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. So the followers asked themselves, did someone make a run to Jimmy John's already? Jesus said, okay, good, you're listening. I was wondering. Okay, you're with me. Uh, Jesus said, my food is to do what the one who sent me wants me to do and to finish his work. You have a saying, four months till harvest, but I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. for They're ready for harvest now. My food, what I truly hunger for, Jesus said, what feeds my soul is to finish God's work. Sometimes I think we get mixed up on what our food is, what we're what we really need to hunger for, what we really need to go after more than anything else. Sometimes we, we get mistaken and we think that our food is, is actually our job or, or working out, being in shape, being the best athlete or being the best musician and practicing really hard or being the best student or being the best parent, being the best employee, being the best boss. What is our most, most important work? Jesus, for Jesus, it was to finish God's work. And ultimately, that needs to be ours as well. Are all these other things important? Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, they're important, and that's just life. We just, you know, you got to be a student or a parent or, you know, all these things are important to you. But let's not forget what Jesus lays out for us here. The most important work, what we need to hunger for more than anything else is to do the work that God has called us to do, is to open our eyes and look around and see all the people who need to hear about Jesus. I love that picture of of a field ready for harvest. Jesus says, open your eyes and look around. I can almost imagine like them being in a field and looking all the way around, 360 degrees, Open your eyes. Be always looking. Who I can bring into your life, Jesus says. Who I can bring into your life for you to impact. That 360 thing, it's awesome because that that gives us a, a real specific way of saying, I am going to be committed to reaching out to people, specifically three people, one or two or three, that God puts on my heart that I want to pray for and I want to be ready at any moment, you know, to share my story with them. But really what Jesus is saying in here, open your eyes, it's all around you. Not even just those three people that we write on that card, but anyone who Jesus brings our way, we need to be ready. And if we open our eyes, Jesus says, we will see, we will see those people. Um, Continuing on, verse 39, many of the Samaritans in that town believed in Jesus because of what the woman said. He told me everything I ever did. When they came to Jesus, they begged him to stay with them, and so he stayed there two more days. And many more believed because of the things he said. They said to the woman, First we believed in Jesus because of what you said, but now we believe because we heard for ourselves. We know that this man really is the Savior of the world. So how many people in that town came to believe in Jesus? Many of them, a whole town, many of the people in that town became believers and followers of Jesus. And why did that happen? 
because of what she said. It says it right there. Because of what she said, a whole town is transformed. Because of what she said, because she became a storyteller. So what about our town? What about where we live, the people around us? What would happen if all of us increased our passion to tell our stories? What if we followed her example and we went out and we told our story to people around us? How could this town we live in be transformed? It's exciting to think about. It's not like this woman was like a famous preacher or some like evangelist or something. You know, she was just a normal person, just like all of us. She just had this awesome experience with Jesus and she wanted to tell other people about it. And so she did. And that's what happened. I, I imagine that her, her story could be told in less than 60 seconds. So I, I, as I thought about that, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write out her story as if, as if she threw down that water jar and ran off to town to tell her best friend about Jesus. What might she have said? So I wrote this out. I want you to, I want you to hear this and just imagine... Imagine this woman, excited about the experience she's had with Jesus, wanting to tell someone else about it. Maybe she said something like this. I met a man named Jesus. Somehow he looked into my soul and summed up my miserable life. Jesus saw the loneliness, the hurt, the disappointment, the men who had left me and used me and hurt me. Then he offered me something special, living water, real life, something I had been thirsting for my whole life and didn't realize it till then. Not just life now, but Jesus promised that he could give me eternal life. Jesus offered it to me, and now I'll never be the same. Now I am filled with living water, with hope, with life. For the first time, I know what it feels like to be loved, to be cared for, to be taken care of. And it's not a man that gives that to me. It's Jesus. So I dropped my water jar and left it by the well and ran here to tell you because I have found what I really needed, Jesus. And I'll never be thirsty again. Now if you were her friend and she came to you and told her story to you, wouldn't you want to listen? Wouldn't that make you think? Wouldn't you want to meet Jesus after hearing her story? And the thing is, we all have a story. We all have a story to tell. And oftentimes, we just don't even think about how we would say it. We haven't given enough thought to how we would tell our story to be able to actually tell it when that moment comes. So I want to give us a chance tonight to actually begin to think about what our story is. Now, some of us have a problem with this because some of us have grown up in the church our whole life and we just don't think we have anything interesting to talk about. Um, I would be in that category. Um, my grandpa was a pastor. I had two uncles that were pastors. My, my three brothers are pastors. Kind of like grew up in a, you know, kind of a church environment. <laughs> And I really honestly can't remember ever not knowing who Jesus was. But, um, you know, I, I have a story to tell. I could tell it. 
in less than a minute, basically. You know, I, I, yeah, I grew up, you know, in a church. I grew up kind of knowing about God, but I didn't really, it was more about religion than it was a relationship with God. And when I got into middle school, you know, I really didn't have an intimate relationship with God. It was just like kind of going through the motions of, of religion. And something happened in my life at that time, and I, I had a heart murmur, and the doctor said, no more sports for you. And suddenly I lost all my friends because I couldn't do what I always used to do. And I felt very alone, and it was a really hard time for me. And during that time, I really reached out to God in a way that I hadn't before because I was a lonely person. And during that time, I had this opportunity. I was invited by some friends to, to go to this place where I heard amazing people talk about God in a way that I had never really heard before. Like, you can actually know God personally. and Like, God really loves me. And it's not just like he has this list of things for me to do, but like, God really loves me. And I experienced worship in a way that was like, suddenly I was feeling God's presence. It wasn't just singing out of a book. And in that three-day experience, my heart and, and my mind was, became open to God in a way it hadn't before. And I invited Jesus into my life at that time, and my life has never been the same since. Since that time, I, I, know, I, I know God's love in a way I hadn't before. I know that God is always with me. I've gone through difficult things. I've gone through, you know, facing really hard things with my family. Um, you know, a lot of you guys know about Mitch and what we've gone through these past couple of years. Uh, my brother was killed when I was younger. Um, I've had some tragedies, but, you know, through all that, I have never lost God's love and presence. And Jesus has always been there with me through all that. So, anyway, that's, I don't know, that's my story, and I don't know, maybe I went over 60 seconds a little bit, but um, it's, it's like, yeah, it's like I grew up in church, but I still have a story to tell. So what's your story? How is Jesus making a difference in your life right now, every day? You have a story to tell. Actually, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't really know Jesus intimately. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and maybe you're here because you're kind of seeking that and trying to figure that out. So if that's the case, you know, that's great. I'm glad you're here, uh, and I hope that someday, at some point, you will reach out and receive this amazing gift that Jesus has for us, and I hope that you will someday put Jesus first in your life. Um, if you want to talk about that, David is right here, and I am here, and we would love to meet with you and sit over some coffee and help you sort out questions you have about God and Jesus and all this. And we want to help you on this journey that you're on. So let us help you. In fact, do you have some, is there email, our email addresses up there? Yeah, just write that down. And, and if you want to get together and talk more about this journey of faith, um, either of us would be you know, love to get together with you. Just shoot us an email and we'll set that up. But I'm going to give you time right now to just grab a pen. There should be one stuck to the chair in front of you. Uh, grab some paper. You came in with a bulletin, I think, and it has some blank space on it. And I didn't see a whole lot of people taking notes of this sermon, so you should have some blank space there to work with. <laughs> 
So um, here's what I want you to do, and Dan's just gonna, band's gonna come up, and they're just gonna play some instrumental music for a little bit. I want to challenge you to just begin to write down some ingredients to your story. And it's pretty, here's, here's some framework for you. Before Jesus, before I knew Jesus, before I put Jesus first in my life, before I discovered Jesus, what was my life like? And then, how did I come to know Jesus? And then the third part is, how is my life different now? How does walking with Jesus affect my life in, in a positive way? So it's, it's pretty simple. My life before Jesus, how I came to know Jesus, and my life after Jesus. Um, maybe, maybe you could think of three words, if nothing else tonight. Come up with three words for life before Jesus and three words that describe life after Jesus. Also, maybe just think of what are some experiences that were going on in my life that led me to the point of realizing, realizing that I wanted Jesus in my life. What are some experiences that I've gone through since I've had Jesus in my life that um, it's been awesome to have Jesus with me? Okay, that, that's just a little bit. I'm, we're going to give you a little bit of time to write your thoughts and begin to formulate your story.